everyone, my name is Tapasiva Morgan, and on this week's episode, we have Dr. Bryce Reddy. Hello. Hello. Good to be here. Yeah, um, I was just wondering if you could kind of introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Dr. Bryce Reedy. I am the um, Director of, of Testing and Release at uh, May Mobility. Um, we're making autonomous vehicles a reality for people. <laughs> it's very exciting. At least I'm excited to be there. Um, uh, let's see. I'm an electrical engineer by education, and my background is in sensor fusion and, you know, fun stuff like that, fun math mm-hmm. problems. Um, I've been at May Mobility for uh, a little over two years now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, having a blast. All right. So kind of one of my first questions I like to ask is, did your kind of like high school self imagine you to be where you are today, like working with autonomous vehicles and being an electrical engineer? That's a great question. Yeah. So I knew um, even when I was much younger, sort of high school age, that I really liked computers and technology. Um, I wouldn't say that I envisioned being where I am today. That's, you know, it, it's <laughs> it's hard to predict those things that far in advance and then, you know, the exact form things will take. But right. generally, I knew I, I liked cool technology and making the world a better place. So that's cool. Uh- like kind of what led you to this path? Like, was it a class that you took? Was it like a club, like a robotics club? Um, I think, um, I didn't have any, um, family members who would, were like engineers, but they all were again, interested in technology, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess I just kind of picked that up somehow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I can't point at a specific moment when I said, Oh yeah, I want to be an engineer. Uh, I no, guess yeah. it was just always kind of there. Yeah, no, no, I understand. So you studied electrical engineering in college. Mm-hmm. And um, so was it just like a bachelor's degree or did you go on to get like higher education, like a master's or a PhD? Yeah. Sure. So I, I got my bachelor's degree. I don't actually have a master's degree. That doesn't, that's not always how it goes. It just depends on which university you're in. Okay. Um, so I have a, a bachelor's degree in electrical and computer engineering and a PhD in electrical and computer engineering. Um, oh, wow. so, oh, I yeah. Did. So I, I got my bachelor's degree, did some other things and came back and went to grad school. And that, That's really cool. Uh, so for a PhD, is it kind of like you have to write a research paper and mm-hmm. you write a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a dissertation, but it, it's basically a little book. I've still got it. Um, I refer oh, to really? it the time. It's useful. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I the way I like to think about it is, um, you know, my one of my advisors in PhD school told me this is how we this is how it works in in advanced degrees. When you have been at school a while and you feel like, oh, I understand my discipline, I've taken the classes, I know what I'm doing, then we give you a BS degree, uh, Bachelor of Science, right? Yeah. Um, and then you hang around a little longer and say, and you realize, wait a minute. Oh, there's so much to know. I don't know anything about my discipline. <laughs> I must be completely clueless. Then we give you a master's degree. <laughs> and then if you hang around still longer, you realize, okay, wait a second. It's true that I don't know anything about my discipline, but neither do any of you. <laughs> then we give you need to shut you up. 
And that's, you know, said in jest, of course, you learn lots of useful things in graduate school. But it's there's a it's funny because um, there's a very real sense in which the, you know, the, the problems that we face, if we had all the solutions, <laughs> right, this would be a very different conversation. We'd live right. in a very different world. Um, so there, there are always hard problems that nobody knows the answer to, that we're all groping in the dark, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in, in graduate school, you get to kind of bump up against those problems, do a meaningful project that kind of pushes a little at the boundary, at least pokes at, you know, one little spot. Yeah. Um, it's a good experience. Yeah. So what was your kind of paper on? Like yeah. So um, the, the focus of my dissertation, I did several kind of related projects that all kind of tied together. But the main focus was... Um, I did Coleman filtering on for Ramanian manifolds, that is to say, um, sensor fusion on curved spaces. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the example I like to give is, um, you know, the, the surface of the earth is a two-dimensional surface, right? I can go this way or I can go that way, but without leaving the surface, I can't go up, right? So it's, right. it really is two-dimensional. Mm -hmm. And yet it really is curved, right? If you were to try to take the earth surface apart like like a map maker does right mm -hmm. you always get at least one point where you, know, you have a, a pole where one point on the surface of the earth becomes a whole line or, or you know some bigger thing yeah um and so it's it's a 2d surface it really is but it's not a flat plane right mm -hmm. um and it turns out these happen all the time spheres are, are a very simple example but it turns out the the set of ways that something can be oriented right if you've got an airplane or a, a vehicle right um that is it turns out a through a three-dimensional curved surface um and so when you're trying to estimate something like which way is my airplane pointing right you you want the the estimator that you've built that's going to look at your sensor data and decide what the answer is you want it to know that you know not just any set of numbers will do right <laughs> Um, yeah. anyway, so that's, that's kind of in a nutshell, I guess what I, what I worked on. Yeah, that's really cool. Actually, I didn't know that you could kind of just skip the like master's step. Like, cause when I kind of think of what I want to do, like, I know for sure, like bachelor's and I want to get a master's. I didn't know you could just like jump straight to your PhD. Yeah, it, it, um, it depends on the school. This is mostly a paperwork question, right? Yeah. Um, in my case, um, I like, it was just faster to go i knew i wanted to go on and so i just went right on and didn't you know take and do the, the other thing in between most places though i mean yeah that's what you typically do yeah yeah so did you ever want to like be a professor or like work in academia or did you, i like, did yeah go ahead sorry no i was just gonna or did you want to like, want to be an engineer and like yeah uh when i started my phd program i thought that i wanted to be in academia i i taught um, I taught a class as a grad student at the university level. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I I think uh, being a PhD student cured me of my desire to be a <laughs> professor. <laughs> um, there's just, I mean, it, it's it's all good. It's, you know, everybody, whatever floats your boat, right? Um, but um, it's... Uh, Academia is very driven by you got to come up with something new mm -hmm. and that's great. And it sounds really great, except um, it turns out what's important to me is what's useful, which often is new, but doesn't mm -hmm. have to be. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> By looking for the new, you often miss the useful. And this is a, a very common complaint about academia that you'll hear people give. Um, so yeah, um, you said kind of like in between you worked on some projects, like what were those projects? Um, in between- like In between uh, like getting your um, bachelor's degree and your PhD, you said you kind of ah, did some projects ah, right. to come back yeah, to school. Right. Um, I, I had, um, so I had a gap year in between, mm -hmm. um, and um, I did some some service work. I was oh, okay, uh, okay. looked away from home and yeah, not 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 related to technical things. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I like that's what I assumed. <laughs> no, no, that's that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, what were your like during your bachelor's degree? Like, did you have any like super meaningful internships or something that like was like yes, like I want to go into like autonomous vehicles, or was that something you kind of found later on? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I actually started in the autonomous vehicle industry only about five years ago. Oh. Um, before that, I worked for eight years for a company that made um, uh, radar systems, actually. Um, now, they tended to go on autonomous aircraft um, sometimes, but not always. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I um, even even my like as an undergrad, I, I think I, um, this autonomous vehicles weren't really on the radar yet. Um, mm -hmm. I do like when I was in grad school, they started to be a thing. I remember the DARPA urban challenge. We had a team at my university that was, that participated in that. I spent an hour with someone on that team once <laughs> to like explain <laughs> something to, right. I mean, it was one of the, like, I was very peripherally involved. Um, right. Um, but, um, yeah, we, I did work in a lab in graduate school that did autonomous aircraft. We had these little you know, foam aircraft that were hand launched and with auto autopilots on them. And we programmed to do all kinds of fun things. Right. So autonomous vehicles are, are kind of, yeah, it's the same idea, but on the ground, <laughs> one yeah. less degree of freedom <laughs> makes things a lot simpler in some yeah. ways. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So you said only five years ago you kind of came into like may mobility how did you like find them or did they find you like how did that work yeah yeah um so i worked like i said for my my first sort of job out of my phd program i worked mm -hmm. there for eight years it was a very this is the company that made radar it's a very small company i was yeah. employee number 15 when i was hired and i think we were <laughs> 150 by the time i left you know i watched a lot of growth there Mm -hmm. uh, and that was a neat experience. Um, I, it was, I, you know, at some point I, you know, after working there eight years, it was just time for a different kind of tack in my career. And I, um, with um, some help from a recruiter, I found, um, you know, the, the, the great thing about technology is it's not, industries aren't airtight compartments. You know what I mean? It's not like, well, this is autonomous vehicles. And this is, you know, you're in radar or whatever it would be over there, right? <laughs> and, oh, those are those are completely different industries. They're not. The technical skills are the same. The math you need to know is the same. The skills you need are the same, right? Right, right. So I just I just moved over. That's cool. So how is, like, working in May Mobility? I know that um, from my mom and my brother, I've heard that the, that, like, facility there is, like, really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, we've I, I gave a tour. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really good. I, I really um, enjoy working at May. Um, it's um, um, 
the I mean, the office is cool, <laughs> but <laughs> but the, the biggest thing, of course, is not the office. It's, you know, I work with a lot of really great people. They're really talented. They're really nice. They're really fun to work with. <laughs> right. I, I learn from working with them. Right. I grow. Um, yeah. By, you know, so that, that's really great. And that and just um, I really appreciate like, I don't know, I life is short. Um, <laughs> you have to like have something that you're like, yeah, I am doing this. And why am I doing it? Because this is going to make a difference for people. And I feel that way about autonomous vehicles. This is going to make a difference. <laughs> we're we're going to do this here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, and that's uh, I need that, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, I'm in that sense, I'm excited to be there. Yeah. So you said that you work in testing. So is it like, does it go through a simulation? Do you like shove, um, have a crash dummy in the car? Like, how does that kind of work? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great question. Um, so I like to say um, when you test any, I mean, especially we tend to write software, but of course there's the physical vehicle too that needs testing. Um, right. Well, when you test any sort of complicated technical system, right? There are a lot of ways that you can do tests. Mm -hmm. um, and all these sort of, I, I like to think of them as like bug catching nets, right? We're trying to catch bugs in the system. We've got different nets that are good at different things, right? They, yeah. they are more prone to catch different kinds of bugs. So um, I actually draw this graph where like on the horizontal axis, you have like, how complicated is it, right? Mm -hmm. Is it just code review. Gee, I had someone else read my code, right? Very simple, right? Yeah. Just takes another person who's obviously they need skills <laughs> and it's, you know, doing good code <laughs> review is, is an art and that's, you know, but, you know, it's not like you need a fleet of vehicles or, you know, a huge server or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And you can catch a lot of problems with code review, but, yeah. you know, humans are not the best and, and like, it's not a question of um, intelligence. It's just a matter of like, we we're, this is just not what we're, you know, we're here for. Right. Um, we're not the best at catching like every little tiny detail. Oh, whoops. You know, this, <laughs> that, that, that operation isn't quite right. But the general idea of the code, is it well structured? Is mm -hmm. it, you know. Um, like the flow and the logic and. Yeah. yeah. Is it, is it generally tested well by other tests, right? You can, there's a lot you can do by having a knowledgeable person review a code or any system, whether it's code mm -hmm. or not. Uh, that, so that's on that's on one side. That's sort of the simple one. On the other side, there's actually driving the car on the road, which we do at May. Um, mm -hmm. And that becomes very complicated, right? You have to say, how do I make sure this is safe enough that we're not going to, you know, crash and hurt anybody in this right. testing, right? <laughs> um, but if, um, so, you know, and then, of course, you have to have the car and you have to have, you know, a route planned out and you have to map the area. I mean, there's all these things you have to do. Um mm -hmm. And in between, though, there's lots of other kind of kinds of testing you can do. As you mentioned, simulation is important. Um, we mm -hmm. do use simulation um, because in a simulator, on the one hand, it's not quite as good as real life because the simulator might do something different than the real car would. Okay, so that's right. not great. On the other hand, the simulator can do things that are different than a real car would. That is to say, I can put the simulator in situations that I would never put a real car in because it's dangerous, yeah. right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so you can see that if it does the right thing in, in those dangerous situations without trying to set them up in real life. Um, mm -hmm. And that way we, we, we don't, um, we don't crash cars, <laughs> right? We don't do like crash <laughs> test dummy tests, although the automotive industry does that, right? Because they're yeah. specifically looking for what happens when this thing crashes, you mm -hmm. know, 
Um, so we we get our cars from them, from from suppliers. They've done all that work, and we you know we have a car, and we just add our sensors to it. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So um, so made mobility just like kind of builds the software that you just like upload on the car, and then that's how you test it. Yeah, okay. that's that's primarily what we do is we make the autonomy software stack, and of course that needs sensors, and so there's sensors and, and computer hardware that comes with that. Right. Right. So this is just kind of a question that I've like, so in my world history class, my teacher always likes to talk about current events. And sometimes we talk about technology and we came up with this question and I just want to like, I wonder what your response would be. Let's say someone was driving or like was in a autonomous vehicle. This vehicle would kind of make the decisions for the driver like, oh, like stoplight you got to stop like oh there's a pedestrian you got to stop let's say that the car like doesn't stop to hit someone would it be the person who's in the car's fault would it be the company's fault like how do you kind of make those kind of decisions yeah that's a great question and a lot of people are asking this question as we start to move in in this way right because in the past it was always clear well who was driving right right exactly <laughs> um or else, you know, it wasn't always the driver, right? Because there are safety recalls and things like that, where, you know, the, the vehicle was supposed to do X. Everyone understands the vehicle is supposed to do X and it failed to do that, right? Right. Um, so, I mean, even now that happens. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the brakes didn't work, this kind of thing. Um, exactly. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really good question. So, like... One of the, the issues that the autonomous industry, I think, has struggled with is this question of level three autonomy, right? That's where all the, the mess happens. Because you have, um, you know, level level one is sort of very basic um, autonomy, I, depending on who you talk to, like um, something as simple as cruise control <laughs> might, might count as level one autonomy that we've had for years. Mm -hmm. Level five autonomy, I, I always love to call, uh, you know, mommy, what's a steering wheel autonomy? Right? <laughs> like this car doesn't have a steering wheel, never had a steering wheel it's driving itself, right? We're not there. <laughs> right. Someday yeah. we will be, I think. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and there's, you know, other steps in between, but level three is the tricky one because level three is where the car is driving itself. It's it's staying in the lane. It's mm -hmm. keeping, you know, it's not hitting the, the car in front of it. It's obeying traffic signs. It's doing all the things, but we don't trust it yet <laughs> because it sometimes makes poor decisions. And so you have a human driver there to kind of watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes sense in a lot of ways, but it's a difficult problem because, you know, if the car is doing pretty good, the human will get bored, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> this yeah. is not, this is not a bug in human nature. It's a feature, right? My brain discards useless information. That's a good thing. <laughs> um, and so, um, you, you know, you, you, you can say, okay, you're driving and, and the car is not right. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes you, it, you know, you look at that and say, yeah, but okay. That wasn't really a realistic ask. Yeah. Um, so um, I think that there, I mean, just, you know, personally, I think that there is definitely, you can see how we go from where we are to how we deal with this issue. Right. If this mm -hmm. was a level five autonomous vehicle and it crashes, well, it's clearly not the fault of the people in the car. They didn't even have a steering wheel. They're clearly not expected to be driving. Right, right? exactly. Um, and so the the question of who's responsible, I think, comes back to, well, what what was the expectation? Um, and it's not just 
what was expected, but how well was that expectation communicated, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And another company that I worked for, there was um, a lot of talk about, okay, uh, driver monitoring, the the whole autonomous industry has, there's there's a lot of this kind of talked about in the industry. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got a camera watching the driver to make sure they don't go to sleep, (laughs) to make sure they don't, you know, look away for too long or their hands are still on the steering wheel, right? All these things. Right, right, yeah. Um, and and that's a powerful way to communicate because if someone you know looks away or starts reading their phone or you know does something else, mm-hmm. you can beep and you know disengage the system, right? And thus you're clearly communicating you are driving. <laughs> the car is helping and doing most of the work. That's great, mm-hmm. but you are driving, so you're not paying attention. We're not going to you know we're not going to drive. Right. Um, I think you need clear communication like that. That spells out who's in charge and therefore being in charge of something means you're liable if it goes wrong. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of, those are at least the principles by which we're going to figure out the answer to your question. We say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that helps at all or if I'm answering your question fully. No, no, no. I mean, it was, I don't think that this is a question that we can answer yet because I don't think we're at that stage yet. Cause I know um, like one of my friends, like they have a Tesla and it's like, you have to keep your hands on like when you drive, like it's not going to drive mm-hmm. if your hands are not. So like, yeah. we're not there yet, but I was just like curious. Cause like also what happens if you like put this car in like an ethical situation, like one road has like five people just like laying there, like, you know, like you, the utility the, the trolley and, problem, but for cars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like, what would it choose? Like, can it even choose when it's presented with a situation like that? Like, so yeah. I don't know. I was just like kind of curious to see what your answer would be for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the, um, I mean, the, the, the trolley problem in particular is picked because (laughs) there's, you know, that like we could give any answer and someone will be unhappy with it right exactly like because it's just a bad be situation exactly. right yeah and, and some like well it's it's not that every answer is necessarily wrong it's that every answer is bad right it kind mm-hmm. of it, it's kind of too bad to be any of those people <laughs> right <laughs> um and those are you know interesting frankly it doesn't happen very often yeah <laughs> situations like thankfully. that thankfully right <laughs> usually there's there's a there's a way where everybody can kind of be in a at least a reasonable place in most mm-hmm. situations um and i mean th- this does bring up a good point though um and you know this is this is something it's, un- it's unfortunate but like um you know people die in cars every day yeah. around mm-hmm. the world right it's what like there, there are a large number of people who die every year in vehicle accidents that mm-hmm. is i'm unhappy about it in fact <laughs> that's one of the great things that i think we'll eventually be able to do um mm-hmm is is maybe help reduce that but the fact of the matter is um people are going to die in autonomous cars too because statistically yeah. that you know I, you know you just can't prevent every possibility uh, there's mm-hmm. risk associated with driving in a car of any kind and you know that like we can we can reasonably hope to reduce that risk as time goes on we can't reasonably hope to take it away there will always be yeah. risk no yeah i understand unfortunate facts to remember (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah it's just like with machine learning and artificial intelligence growing at such a rapid rate like you can't even say where it's going to be in like a year so maybe it will be kind of answering those sort of questions in the next couple of years 
Um, maybe. Um, but even if art, like, I'm convinced that like the the questions that are hard for humans, like that one, mm-hmm. they're hard for humans because they're hard. There's nothing magic about AI that will make exactly. it easy for the AI, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's the it's the nature of the problem you're solving. It's not you know the nature of the. Um, so yeah we we will continue to grapple with trade-offs like humans <laughs> always have yeah there sometimes there just like is no solution i guess yeah. or like a happy solution yeah 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 <laughs> that was kind of deep <laughs> <laughs> indeed all the best topics are the ones that kind of can go directly very deep <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no it's just something that's like honestly so cool to think about like self-driving cars are like what people used to say back in the day where it's like oh like like in the future like the cars are gonna fly or like in the future like we don't even have to drive like we can just like look at each other and like so it's like really cool to be at the age where we're doing these things that seem like sci-fi and like you know like superhuman not even superhuman just like i don't know it's just unimaginable like even 20 years ago i completely agree it it like every time i look at the state of the world and the technology that we have i am filled with wonder it's yeah. amazing right <laughs> i think um you know um an exponential function is a it like goes and then hits there's like the knee of the curve right and then mm-hmm. you you know you explode upward um and you know it it I don't know. It, it it feels like we're <laughs> we're on or maybe past. I don't know. It's hard to say. But um, there, there's there's when I look back at history, right? And mm-hmm. you know, for how many centuries people dealt with the same thing that they that their great 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 grandparents had. You're right. It was like very change was very slow. Mm-hmm. Um, um, much of the world was very impoverished compared to today. Right? They just didn't have opportunities. They didn't have right. You know. Right. Um, it's a great time to be alive. <laughs> Let me tell you, <laughs> I am very happy. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like we've kind of hit that like kind of curve point that you were talking about mm. um, maybe even a couple of years ago, but like, especially now after like chat GPT, I feel like machine learning is constantly in this conversation and it's, I don't know. I don't, we're never going to like get rid of it. Like once the like cat is out of the bag, it's never coming back. And I was going to ask you a question. I don't know if you know, but like the, I want to say like CEO of OpenAI, Sam Altman, uh, I don't know if you saw, but he was asking the government for like some sort of restriction or like some way to kind of keep AI and like a like hmm. enclosed, like kind of contained room, I guess. But I feel like I don't think that's possible. And if it is, like, how could the government even be in control of that? I think it would have to be like companies or, like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? I, I don't think it is possible. Um, and I think um, this has happened before, right? <laughs> in fact, it happens every time there is a big leap forward in technology. People get very nervous, yeah, right, because <laughs> they don't understand what's going on. It's it's really comical. Like I, um, natural language processing is not my primary area of expertise but Mm -hmm. i do know something about it (laughs) um and so watching the news coverage of it is um shall we say entertaining (laughs) (laughs) because um they're like what happened was um you know 
there has been work on this this kind of model that you know ChatGPT is this the, the thing that it's in you know on everybody's lips right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of model has been worked on for years. Um, I did toy examples of it years ago, right? Just playing around with with natural language processing, right? It, it's in textbooks. It's I mean, there's, you know, there's 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 great Python libraries that will let you do this this kind of thing, right? Yeah. Simplified versions, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened was we pushed the boundaries far enough, and then like even the people tuning the model, even the people at OpenAI were surprised. Whoa. That like, all of a sudden, like, that to work. it talks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we, we crossed the, the, the mathematics, the logical structure of the problem. It turns out there is this point where if you get past that point, it starts, you know, humans start to look at it and go, oh, it talks, right? <laughs> we didn't know where that point was. No one knew. Mm-hmm. We passed it and then went, oh, gee, <laughs> right? And sort of tripped over it. Yeah. This happens in the development of technology from time to time, right? Mm-hmm. We often don't and can't predict where those those neat sort of tipping points are. We stumble over them as we go. Mm-hmm. And every time everyone gets nervous and wants to ban it, right? This goes clear <laughs> back to, you know, uh, there, I mean, people want to destroy, you know, uh, mills back when those were first invented. Right? I mean, there's, there's always, there's always, you know, things going on and people have their reasons. Right. Um, I, but I think it's pretty clear that you, I think you're right. There, there's no, there's no going back, right? You, you can't, uh, you know, you can't unlearn that. And yeah. more to the point, like, um, this is a huge benefit for a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are always, you know, every change is is good for some people and bad for others. That's just, all, I mean, that's just true, right? Right. Um, but. Um, in general, when we look back at the history of technological development, it has been amazingly good for all of us, right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, in in the long term, um, I mean, <laughs> I saw a very funny historical analysis, you know, it used to be that, you know, more than 90% of the human population everywhere were farmers. Yeah. Look at all the jobs in farming we have destroyed in the last two centuries. <laughs> and I can't even say it with a straight face, right? I, I, you know, I'm sure farming has its merits and people love it. I'm glad everyone doesn't have to be one, whether they exactly. like it or not. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, w- we will adjust. Yeah. Is, is I mean, we have fact. to. I think like, we have to. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't have Zoom premium. So our um, meeting oh, is Oh, we're about coming to, to the end out. here. Yes. Yeah. But um, thank you so much for kind of hopping on and talking to me today. This was actually such like an interesting conversation. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to this week's episode. Um, bye. Bye.